All right. So, um, and those of you who are on the line, there's uh, at the bottom of your screen, there's a chat feature. If you have any questions for Bill or if you want to jump into the conversation, um, just go ahead and send me a message. I'll get it and I'll do my best to kind of integrate you into the conversation. All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this Changer episode. Today, we are speaking with Bill Kirst. He is a OCM leader at West Monroe Partners. He's also uh, a fellow podcaster. He leads the podcast Coffee and Change with Bill Kirst. So, Bill, thank you so much for uh, carving out time to have this conversation. You bet, Brian. It's, uh, it's an honor to be back. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so Bill, some people in the Change Their community um, know you, know of you already. But for those who don't, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, for those I haven't had a chance to uh, interact with uh, on the community, um, as Brian mentioned, I'm a, a change management leader within my firm, West Monroe Partners. Um, we're based in Chicago, so a lot of you in the Chicago area probably know of us. Uh, I currently live in Seattle, and uh, in this role, I oversee uh, our change management practice for the West Coast region. So I oversee Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Um, and these days I'm spending a lot of time, um, I'm a senior principal, which means I'm kind of a deep expert in change management, specifically around digital change and helping clients manage that, that journey and that um, evolution to digital transformation. Yeah. And spending a lot of days uh, on the road with clients, uh, helping them kind of work through the, the change curve, if you will. So it's a little bit about me. Absolutely. So, um, so Bill, just to start the conversation off, we're talking about mindfulness in the workplace. Um, when I reached out to you and said, hey, Bill, would you do another webcast? You, you know, of course, you're a great supporter, and I really appreciate that. And of all the topics, um, we, I think we agreed upon mindfulness. You know, mm -hmm. what, what motivates you to want to wanna talk more about this particular topic? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a great question. And, and as I was kind of prepping for today's discussion, um, I thought a lot about how I keep hearing this word, um, mindfulness, some, sometimes meditation, sometimes well-being, mental health. All these words are, are being, um, are increasingly kind of creeping up into our workplace. And, and I think it's a good thing because it's, it's a conversation that needs to happen. And, yeah. and to give you an idea, just before we, you know, got online here, um, I went on and did a little bit of research, you know, just in terms of Google news and seeing like, what's, what's, you know, popping up in news and just in the past hour. So, um, just in the past 60 minutes, seven articles have been published on mental health in the workplace. Four articles have been published on anxiety in the workplace. 16 articles have been published on well-being in the workplace. And one article has been published on mindfulness in the workplace. So the reason I share these stats with you is I think that's an indicator of kind of where we're at in, um, in sort of the evolution of this, of this discussion. You can see there's a lot more discussion and, and news generated around mental health, anxiety, well-being. But there's less, I think, around mindfulness in the workplace. And so it's not, it's not atypical, right? Um, tough news or negative news attracts. So we see a lot of articles around people struggling, um, trying, to, trying to make sense of, of how, to, how to achieve the balance. Yeah. Uh, people struggling with things like imposter syndrome. Um, you know, how do I, how do I keep up with uh, the cycle? How do I stay fresh and relevant? And all of those things I think are sometimes anxiety inducing experiences. And so, so I think the reason I wanted to talk about this and the reason I stay close to it is I want to shift the discussion a little bit um, away from the detriment stuff away from the, does it have to be anxiety? And, um, does it have to be um, a negative perspective on mental health and more into the, hey, there are things that people can do to sort of take back their, 
their power um, and yeah. their freedom and their um, and 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 their peace of mind. So that's essentially, you know, why I wanted to talk about it um, and why I'm excited to talk about it with you and your listeners and um, yeah. your community today. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so just to level set, how would you describe mindfulness? If you had if you had to do yeah. it in one or two sentences, how would you? Sure. It's it's a tough one, um, but I will boil it down to this. Um, for me, uh, mindfulness is paying attention to what's happening in the present moment without judgment. And the key for me is the without judgment part. Um, I think where where high performers uh, or people in um, high demanding you know yep. um, occupations or under a lot of stress, uh, the part that's hard to do is the is the the self-judgment, right? We, we perform and we pay attention to what's happening around us. But then we, as I talked about before, we, we, we have an imposter syndrome or we say, I could have done that better. Yeah. Or we start thinking about the past and the future. Um, and that overtakes our, our body and um, by result, it overtakes our brain. And so for me, mindfulness is paying attention to what's happening in the present moment without judgment. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so what would be the, the, purpose and benefit of investing time in learning more about mindfulness like what, what, what would be the overall benefit it seems kind of clear but from your perspective what would be the the one or two benefits yeah i mean for me um there's a couple immediate benefits um that i've experienced over the over the course of sort of a multi-year journey um and i think when i occupy the space of kind of the present it gives me more freedom I feel more, um, I feel more still in, in kind of in my, in my experience and what it reduces is the, the, cap the, the tendency for emotions or thoughts to take over. Exactly. Um, and one of the things I realize is, and I, I often say this to myself, remember you are not your thoughts. Um, they are your thoughts, but those thoughts themselves do not make up your entire being, do not make up all of who you are. Um, and I think that's what we struggle with a lot is, you know, our thoughts get uh, going and those thoughts lead to emotions and emotions present themselves in, in your body. Um, I mean, that's 90% of the word emotion is motion. It literally is something has to move through your body in order for, for you to, to kind of be, you know, be at peace. And so for me, it was about making a choice on how I want to experience things and how I want to show up. Um, you know, the ability to pause uh, for what I want to say and for what I want to do, it just gave me so many more options and, and freedom and flexibility. And I think the other piece that's probably most noticeable, Brian, yeah. is the amount of creativity that came up for me. Um, yeah. just, by, just by exploring this, um, it gave me the opportunity to, to not react as much, but instead start responding. And by moving from reacting to responding, there was a lot more room on the table for uh, conversations of curiosity that led to creativity, that have led to innovation, and frankly, have led to deepening conversations with both clients, peers, family members, et cetera. Yeah, 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 I, I love that, I love that. Um, oftentimes when me and Stephanie are talking um, to each other, and then when we speak with groups, we're oftentimes, especially with the being in 2020, it's we're, we're mm -hmm. here now, right? So, you know, we're we're always asking each other, but then you know, kind of asking this question towards groups. Where do you where do you see yourself in 2030? 
Right. You know, right. and then, you know, we're talking about mindfulness. I think mindfulness is one of the areas that we as individuals have to pay like really close attention to if we want to get serious and start achieving short-term and long-term goals. I love it. And, you know, I remember, um, I think something, I think it was an email you sent me um, about you being a multi-year journey. It is a multi-year journey. It's not something that, uh, that you can fix in like a day or a month. It's, it's kind of continual focus. Uh, what are some of the tools that you use uh, to, help, to help you? And I have two questions, Bill. What are some of the tools that you use to, to kind of better yourself on a daily or even weekly basis? And then how would you take this concept of mindfulness and put it in a team perspective? How, if, you know, for someone who's on a project team, how can we take some of these principles of mindfulness and lay it over and, and benefit a team? Yeah, um, two great questions. Um, I'll start with kind of the first one in terms of um, tools. I think, as most folks probably know, this is, um, I think in a, in a, it's a positive change. This is becoming a busy space. And what I mean by that, there's plenty of people out there, coaches, um, you know, app designers, developers that are starting to talk about, hey, uh, you know, what's the next app or the next biohack I can do to sort of get, get to this place of, of uh, you know, mental, mental um, awareness and stillness and, and, and peace. Um, so it, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Initially, when you jump in, you're like, okay, should I download this tool? Should I, my, my best advice to people is um, there's, no right, there's no right way. There's only your way. Um, this is something I've learned over the course of multiple years um, that everybody's going to have a slightly different variation of what works for them because we're, we're all a little bit different. Um, that said, I can say that the tools that I have um, used in kind of my journey um, is a little bit blend of, um, you know, finding people who are, who are uh, you know, known in the space, plus a little bit of the digital side. So for example, I follow people like Tara Brock, who's, um, who's pretty well known as a psychologist and a, and a mindfulness teacher or Andy Petticombe, who created the app Headspace, um, which is one of the tools that I use. Or I follow a podcast by Michael Gervais, who is a sports psychologist for the Seattle Seahawks. So what I end up doing is I, I blend a little bit of, yes, I use Headspace, I try to use Headspace as an app daily, um, and I try and do meditation twice a day, 20 minutes at a time. That's a big investment. Understand for people listening, that's not the expectation. This has taken me about five years to get to, wow. um, to a place where you can do 20 minutes at a time, uh, twice a day. Um, but I was able to, you know, listen to people, um, study what they do, find the tools that work for me. There are other tools like calm is an app that you can listen to. There's an app called insight timer, um, which has a plethora of stuff, um, that you can research as well. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's, it's really about, um, making your own toolkit. There is no right way. There is no, the one experience, but I encourage people with curiosity to go explore and figure out what works, what works well for you. Um, and the second part, you know, of your question in terms of how do we bring this to, to teams? Um, you know, for me, I can only share my journey and my story. And what I've done in, in the workplace is I slowly um, and in small steps just open up uh, my my journey to people. So when people say, "Hey, you know, I noticed on your calendar 
that you have a mindfulness minutes section Wednesday at noon. Can I ask you about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, I intentionally put that on my calendar in a very visible way so that people could ask questions. Or I might bring in a book, uh, you know, around mindfulness and actually have it on my desk. And people walk by and they say, oh, what's this? And I say, oh, it's, you know, it's a book I'm reading and, you know, I can tell them a little bit more about it. So for me, um, the best way to bring teams along or introduce teams to is just have them approach it from a place of curiosity. If you were to sit down with people and say, hey, would you like to sleep better? Would you like less anxiety? Would you like more creativity? Would you like more stillness in your mind? I think every single human being would say, yes, I want to know more. The, the hard part can sometimes be the on-ramp to that seems intimidating. It doesn't have to be, but that's why I encourage people to sort of take small steps, come at it from curiosity, do some research, figure out what works for you, and then share with others. Um, and understand that it's not a huge lift. Um, you don't have to restructure how your teams work. Um, maybe just have a conversation with them. You know, there's a lot of work that folks like Brene Brown have done in terms of, you know, team dynamics. And um, I still think there's a stigma and there's a shame, you know, spiral around mental health. Um, and I think we, you know, it's, it's hard to take that on. That's a tidal wave, right? It's hard to take that tidal wave. But there are ways that you can come at it from the side and say, is there an opening for me to have a conversation with someone? You know, uh, Bill, what I observed, particularly in the change management space, as I attend ACMP conferences and other conferences, is that you have speakers come in and talk about the importance of neuroscience. Yes. So, yeah. And then now we have more content around you know, mindfulness. Mm -hmm. um, as someone like yourself who works in professional services, over the next, I don't know, three years or so, do you see, could you see a mindfulness offering, you know, being presented to, to your clients um, as a way of, you know, enhancing leadership development or employee engagement within organizations? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you bring up a, a, an important word in there is neuroscience. So there are some organizations like the Neuro Leadership Institute, um, which has done some great work, um, which even if I think about my own journey, you know, sort of the seeds may have been planted years ago at an ACMP conference where the keynote speaker um, was head of the Neuro Leadership Institute. And he talked about some of this stuff from a, from a, a strictly brain science standpoint, which is irrefutable. And I, I thought how powerful this moment was that I'm sitting in this room with this keynote speaker. He's talking about some stuff and I feel like he is glancing directly into yeah. my brain, yeah. and into, my, into my soul. And I'm thinking, how could this guy possibly know this? He's never met me. And I looked around the room and everybody else had that same sort of glow about them. Like, wow, he's seeing into my head. And that's the beauty of this, right? When you get down to the way the brain works and why and under what conditions certain neurochemicals fire, it makes it not personal. Like there's an, there's an opportunity for me to say, this isn't just me. This is actually something that happens in the human body. So it was from there that I started learning more and incorporating this into my work. So to your question around change management and doing the work we do, absolutely. When I lead people through visioning sessions or understanding what their values are, hey, how do we navigate this change and these impacts? One of the things I try and do is share with them at a very high level, because I'm not a neuroscientist at all by trade, but help them understand what's happening in their body when they're introduced to change. 
Um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before, I think, in conversations, but, you know, the, the fight or flight that happens, um, you know, we, we can't underestimate that with our, with our clients and our, and our peers. Yeah. Once your mind goes into that fight or flight state, it actually shuts down the ability for the, you know, neofrontal cortex to, to, to do decision making. Um, and so we're, we find ourselves in these places where um, we, we want to make a decision, but sometimes we're, we're frozen and we don't know how to get out of it. And so for me, why mindfulness could easily be brought into the work that you do, that I do, that our peers do, is it, it gives people a third way. It doesn't have to be fight or flight or completely analytical. Um, I can take pause. I can sort of be in the present and, and understand, hey, what's happening right now? Let me look around my environment. Let me see what what um, what triggers are happening. Let me take a breath. Let me understand. Um, and in some ways, you know, you can get up to uh, some pretty interesting stuff. You know, several years in, I've learned the the, the capability of watching myself. So it sounds a little it sounds a little crazy, but you can actually get it so that if you were to imagine yourself watching yourself go through something, what's really interesting is by nature of that, you actually have more empathy for what you're going through. Because if you were, if I were watching you go through something painful, Brian, my empathy would be, would be dialed up and I'd be like, man, I, I, I wish I could help him. Let me find a way to help him. Rarely, if ever, do we, do, do we apply that empathy lens to ourselves? right? That's where the, the, the negative self-talk comes in and the, the tape that runs in our head comes in. And so just getting to a point in my journey of mindfulness where I can sometimes literally step, step out and watch myself in this journey, I, I've already given myself um, a dose of empathy. And with that empathy, it, it allows more room for connection um, and connectivity with people. Yeah, yeah. Bill, you know, I know I'm recording this, but I'm, I'm blown away too. I'm like, <laughs> man, so much insight, so much insight. Um, your community, your network, are there people that you connect with, um, you know, like personally that, that help you um, get better at mindfulness? Me and Stephanie, we're, we're big advocates, obviously, of community, um, sure. like-minded people. Um, you know, are you at a place where you connect with other people who are practicing the same kind of progression that you are? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think one of the one of the fascinating parts about doing this work is, as I mentioned, everybody's path is unique, and that's the beautiful part of it. And I think there's a level of accountability that, frankly, I wanted to add into my life for this because it's great that I have the app that I can you know check in each day, and it tells me, you know, that I've done uh, over 200 something hours and had all these sessions or whatever. Those are, those are KPIs. Those are benchmarks, right? <clears throat> and sometimes it's nice to look at that, but to your point around community, um, I personally believe that there's, there's an accountability within community that actually helps me get stronger, um, in this space. And so, yes, so I have engaged in community, obviously here in Seattle, <clears throat> we have quite a thriving community of, of people when they're thinking about, mental well-being or integrating, you know, mind and body and how do you achieve that balance? Um, I think you and I, you know, both having a military background, um, you know, places like Washington, D.C., where I used to live before, I think they're, they're maybe in a different place or, you know, Chicago or New York. But the good news is I think it's not hard to, you know, do a little outreach and find where those communities are. So here in Seattle, I was able to plug into um, sort of a small uh, mindfulness and meditation group. Um, it's a group of about five people. 
Um, and what's beautiful about it, um, we actually do a blend of in-person and technology. So just like we're connecting here on Zoom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, every, every two weeks uh, on, a, on a weekday night, I connect on a Zoom with four other people. And what's really great is we hold space for each other and we do some meditation and we have discussion and around mindfulness exercises and how people are doing. And there's, there's not only an accountability there, but there's also, as you talked about, the support. Yeah. So um, I don't feel alone in it. I can ask questions in it. And I think it's those four other human beings on the planet that are, have kind of been through this um, commitment with me that have been really helpful. Um, that, that, you know, um, that gathering is a, is a year long journey. Yeah. Um, and in March we'll be coming up on the end of it. And so it's really interesting. You have these beautiful beginnings and these beautiful endings about the work that we're talking about, but, but certainly, um, I could not have done this alone. I think there's a lot of work that I had to work through alone to get to a place of understanding why my, why my brain works the way it does. Yeah. But then also to share that with people just reinforces what we said before around, I, I realized, Hey, I'm not alone in this. And when you know, you're not alone, you know, the change isn't so hard. You can approach it. You can do it. You can take the first step because you've got support. You've got um, a champion. Exactly. Exactly. No, Bill, thank you for that. Um, we're about to move to, to closing this out. It, sure. Any last words, any last remarks? What, what would you, what would, what would be the one thing that you would recommend to someone who wants to, you know, just, apply more mindfulness not even learn but more so apply it in their life what would be the one tip that you yeah i mean i think it's it's it can be the struggle but i would say i recently have um listened to uh there's a podcast that kind of came across my radar called a skeptic's path to enlightenment um and it sounds pretty intense but um the reason i share that is because um you know I can be a very heady person, a very academic person. And I think at times, even in this journey, there's healthy doses of skepticism, right? In, in, our, in our world and in our life and in our work. And you need that. You need that to, to stay safe and, 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 yeah. and you know, be true to who you are. I would encourage people maybe to go listen to a podcast like that because that, that um, podcast host does a really good job of kind of breaking stuff down, but not in a way that you feel... Uh, pressure to try anything. It's it's sort of an exploration of um, of what might work for people. It's relatively new. It's only a couple episodes in, and I listened to it recently and thought, you know what, this something like this would have been so helpful to me for four years ago when I jumped into the deep end. So just you know having the having the ability to um, do some research and um, and then curate your own questions is is my advice to people. And then the second thing I would say is reach out. Um, consider me an extension um, of this network. If people have questions, happy to, to answer them or direct them to things. Um, but know this, you cannot be wrong in this. There's no right way. So the, ch the challenge we run into is we want to get it right. I want to I be the best at it, right? That's the army officer. Right, right. Um, <laughs> and I resist that. Um, and with that resistance comes a whole... Uh, exploration of possibilities. So I would say, you know, be kind to yourself if you're if you're exploring this journey, um, and use use the network um, to help you. Absolutely, absolutely, Bill. I know you're a very busy person. Thank you for carving yeah. time to have this conversation, and thank you for all your support with the Change in Our Community. Uh, just I, I can't say it enough. Really appreciate you in uh, your contributions. For those of you who are on the line, thank you for carving out time to, to be a part of this. And uh, this concludes the webcast.
Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it.